from the Rocky Top Insider Studios, it's the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, and welcome back to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Joined to my right, that is Ryan Shumpert. Joined to my left, right across the table, that is Jack Foster. Man, we are back here in the studio, which is kind of becoming a little bit more of a trend now that things are slowing down a little bit, which is always a nice time as the academic year, as really the academic calendar, starts to come to a close here in the next few months. Hello, everybody out there. Thank you so much for tuning back into the RTI Press Pass podcast. Man, we got a good football episode coming up for you today, which is Wednesday, April the 12th. We're recording here at about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon or so, so it is nice right in the midday, and uh, we are ready to get this thing started. We're ready to get it fired up. You guys had a late night at Lindsey Nelson Stadium last night, but hey, you're back right here in the studio. Good afternoon. How are you both doing today, Ryan and Jack? Doing well. Doing well. Like you said, glad to kind of be in a little bit of a rhythm of things as baseball season's in in full swing, and we got basketball offseason and spring practice kind of starting to to come to a close, so you know, plenty to talk about, and uh, glad to have a little bit of continuity, and I'll, I'll be in the same place here for whatever it is, second or third straight week. Yeah, it's been nice, Jack. Yeah, doing well, man. Um, school's coming to a close. I've got noticed twice this week that two of my classes are not meeting anymore in person, so that is always oh, wow. a win. Oh, that's especially the, best. the way I live my Woof. life. So that's amazing. But yeah, baseball season in full swing. You know, to me, it's one of the greatest times of the year, and NBA playoffs are starting, and Ryan's Hawks got the dub last night, and I know he's happy about that. Yeah, big win for the Hawks. So uh, Miami owns them, so they they really flipped the script. Did you see the tweet? The The SpongeBob? Yeah, I did see that. It was great. Also, the tweet was was one of my favorite – memes gifs or videos is the the one out there of the i don't even know what he's coaches some small school and they up they upset some team and the guy goes hey tell him to bring me my money oh, and yeah. he starts <laughs> laughing and dancing yeah. and uh charles barkley told Shaq before the game he'd bet like a billion dollars that he were gonna win money. so they they also were throwing to t- tell me to bring me my money at uh at chuck after the game so a lot of good content from it and maybe we'll give the celtics a, a six game series or something I love how that's the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to beat the Celtics, (laughs) but, you know, maybe a six-game series. Ryan, you are heading to Fayetteville this weekend, no? Correct. Okay. That should be fun. Uh, What is is their stadium called? Bob Walker. That's right. That's right. Got the hog pen out in out in left field, and man, I've heard a lot of good stories. Just being from Texas, obviously, I've had a lot of friends who who went to Arkansas, and that was a potential spot for me as well. But just getting to hear all the stories about people going to baseball games out there and sitting in the outfield, and I believe it's one of those things where you can bring your own chair, bring your own cooler, kind of that that type of uh, style, or at least it certainly was before the pandemic. But hey, safe travels on the way up there. That's going to be great. You can obviously follow. Uh, Ryan on Twitter, that would be at rshump00, but also just staying locked into Rocky Depp and Center on social media all weekend. But that's going to be a fun trip, man. We're excited to, to uh, have you down there watching the whole series. Yeah, I am too. Uh, obviously an awesome uh, environment, awesome baseball stadium Bomb Walker is, and it'll be my first yeah. time in Fayetteville. And uh, obviously these, not really traditional rivals by any means, but these two programs have yeah. butted heads quite a bit over the last few years. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, certainly a little bit of an emerging rivalry. And yeah. I think those are the fun 
no matter what sport you're looking at. I mean, I, I can think of examples across football, basketball, baseball, no matter what you're looking at. Uh, yes, Tennessee and, and other programs, especially in the SEC, they have their permanent rivalries. Whenever Tennessee and Kentucky play, regardless of the sport, it's going to be, you know, high tension. That's going to be a rivalry game. But, man, it's also fun to get some of these, you know, little mini rivalries. Yeah, pseudo yeah. rivalries. There are many <laughs> rivalries come up over the years. Just a couple of years ago, I, I feel like there was one between Tennessee and Auburn, right, in football and basketball. There's certainly one between Tennessee and baseball in the diamond right now. So those are always fun and, and add just a, another kind of level of uh, entertainment to the series and wherever they're going. But safe travels, my friend. And again, follow along with Ryan all weekend as uh, Rocky Top Insider will be in Fayetteville, Arkansas. My favorite one, especially given how the 2021 game went, would be Tennessee Ole Miss football now. Especially well, as long as Lane yeah, Kiffin is coach. Yeah, that was another. Has to yeah. have Lane Kiffin as coach. But that pseudo rivalry, if you will, was a lot of fun. Yeah, and the schedule. Uh, obviously, SEC stuff will all be changing and. We won't have to wait six more years for them to play like we would have otherwise. Right. Well, we hope. Maybe it'll very, be on the, on the back end. Yeah, things, very but. thankful for that. Get get just some new – I don't want to say new blood because that's – I guess there is a little bit of new blood coming in with Texas and Oklahoma. But just get, give it new new perspective, right? New glasses, new lens, whatever you're looking at. Just new ways to kind of put these teams against each other, uh, which should be a lot of fun. Okay, so I mentioned that you guys were at baseball last night. Myself, I did watch a little bit of the baseball game. I, I saw – Seacrest give up the the first run or the first inning home run, and then I saw I think it was Blake Burke right. He he put uh, a home run himself on the board, and maybe yep. the bottom of the first right. And Tennessee Correct. was up two one, and I said, well there you go. That's that's probably going to be your ball game right there. So I switched courses a little bit. Now what I watched last night as that game was going on, and as Tennessee certainly had the lead, and you guys had it great covered, I watched a, a, a new. I guess it's limited series, a little bit of a documentary series. It's a mini series. Jack, you are very familiar with Omaha Productions, and this is yeah. kind of who who handled this whole operation. But it was called On the Clock, and there's going to be four episodes of this show. First two came out on Monday, and then they're going to be coming out a week later at a time, building up to the 2023 NFL Draft. And one of the original ones that was released was called On the Clock, Hendon Hooker. Basically what it is is Omaha Productions, as mentioned, so you have the Manning family involved. You have Peyton. You have Archie. You have Eli. And what they do is basically track four SEC quarterbacks all throughout the 2022 season as they get ready to enter the NFL Draft. So that would be Hooker. That would be Bryce Young, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. So... I did get to sit down, and I watched about the 22-minute the Hendon Hooker episode, and, man, it was really fascinating. We, as people who covered Hendon Hooker his entire time here at Tennessee so far, we know pretty much everything there is to know about Hendon Hooker's story. So I think on one level, I knew a lot of what was being told, but there was also a lot of new information coming out, and a lot of that came towards the back half of the episode when they were talking about the recovery and mm-hmm. actually showing video of some of his physical therapy and the training that he's doing right now to get back up on the field. But of course, I think for any Tennessee fan and just for any college football fan, an SEC fan especially, just getting kind of watching these guys interact, watching Peyton Manning interact with Hendon Hooker and Archie Manning and whoever else kind of the cast of character brings to the TV, that is a pretty cool thing. So I would certainly recommend this uh, this watch for anybody out there. Again, it's just 22 minutes. It's called On the Clock, Hendon Hooker. It is an ESPN Plus production, so you know you, you gotta have you gotta be subscribed to that if you're watching Tennessee baseball a lot of the times, so especially early on in the season. You probably are subscribed, but man, it was a uh, it was a really terrific show. We wrote up a little bit about it on RockyTupInsider.com this morning, uh, and just really well produced. A, a good little insight and a different perspective on the Hendon Hooker's journey to uh, the NFL. Yeah, Omaha Productions did a fantastic job with this. Of course, it originally aired on ESPN2 Monday night, but now it's on demand ESPN+. Plus. I thought, just like what you kind of alluded to, Rick, my favorite part was the injury recovery and that whole process, just seeing Hendon's mindset throughout that whole thing. And definitely how the Mannings played a part in communicating with him about that. And also his uh, role in the Manning Passing Academy, I thought was 
very cool part. Yes, it was yeah. very cool to watch him actually get to coach. Yeah, uh, which I thought was really fascinating. And he did have a line in it where he said, "Hey, look, I want to be a coach one day. This this is something that I love. I love getting to watch the development of these young kids, just their process through this whole thing." So, who knows? Maybe maybe twenty five years from now, right? Maybe thirty years from now, Hinton Hooker is is winding up coaching Tennessee or, or some other college program, or, or who even knows? But it was kind of fascinating to watch him coach him up and then say, "Yeah, I want to be a coach one day." That's right. that's something on my career path. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's an interesting, you know, tidbit I think that came from it. So uh, I need to check it out. I still haven't watched it yet. Good. But uh, you know, it does look good. I've seen some of the clips that have been tweeted out uh, or Omaha Productions has put out. So it looks really good. I'm excited to watch it. Let me ask you guys a hypothetical. And the answer to this is no. <laughs> for, for starters, there we go. There we go. But I want, but I want you to think about it for a second though. Is there any kind of way, maybe in some aspects? that Hendon Hooker's injury has actually helped his draft process throughout the last couple months. Now, I think, again, you start out by saying no, just because a, a fully healthy Hendon Hooker would be a better draft prospect than a, you know... Injured. In, than an injury. Coming than off that, an injury. Yes, than the one that was coming off an ACL injury. But I really feel like in the last couple months, you've seen so many people kind of rally behind Hendon Hooker, and maybe that would have happened originally. But I do think that just the whole recovery process, the, the all the people talking about what he's going to be when he returns, I feel like that's given Hendon a lot of positive, uh, positive conversation, positive compliments along the way that has almost made him a more talked about name. Again, we don't know what he would have been without the injury, but I feel like, again, there's some aspects where you can say the injury might have helped him and almost creating this story that a lot of people have rallied behind and a lot of people want to see him succeed. Now, obviously, that's not transitioning success into the NFL draft, but just in terms of the story that he's become, I feel like maybe it's helped him become a more prominent name in this draft process. I see what you're saying because, you know, uh, one of the most admirable things about Hendon, especially off the field, is his mindset and approach to the game and yeah. his work ethic. So when you have a terrible injury like this, it allows him the chance to kind of show off that work ethic to rebound so quickly and, you know, going to be throwing full force 100% before week one just to kind of show how his work ethic is, you know, a top of the top, if you will. So best of the best. So, yeah, I, I agree it gave him the chance to flex that. I don't know. If the injury obviously necessary helped him at all, but it did give him that opportunity. Yeah, well, when he, he can't work out, it's just all the emphasis is going to be placed on those interviews that he does with teams and everything that goes into that. And we know Hinden Hooker, not that Hinden Hooker's not really good at everything else, but we know he's really good in yeah. that. We knew that he would master those interviews and meetings with teams. So now that all the focus is on that, you know, I think maybe that has kind of elevated the talk around him because that's really the only thing, you know, outside of looking at his tape, which was obviously everyone was aware of already. That's really the only thing you can look at with Hooker right now. And again, it's probably, like you said, Rick, it's probably not a good thing, but uh, there you know, are some reasons that it makes sense that why Hooker's been getting so much buzz, despite the fact yeah. that he hasn't been working out and isn't full go right now. Yeah, there's there's aspects to it. And yeah, I just think it's been a fascinating last couple months, whether it's been the Reese's Senior Bowl, whether it's been the NFL Combine, whether it's been Tennessee's Pro Day, just being able to get that whole side of Hendon Hooker that you're not really necessarily getting from all the other quarterbacks, then being able to layer that on top of the workouts that aren't being done right now, but you know what he can do on the football field. I just think that's giving him a, a good advantage right there. You know, it seems like it's going to be a fairly big range to where Hendon Hooker could get drafted. If you look at the, what the experts are saying, if you look at what the NFL draft analysts are saying, they're saying, hey, depending on what kind of run these first four quarterbacks go, really in the top first ten picks or so, maybe even you throw that out to 
11, 12, 13. That's really where kind of this Hendon Hooker conversation goes. I think, to me, the, the way that I've been saying is that a lot of people believe that he's a he's probably a second-round pick. However, could certainly find a, a way into the first round if a slew of those first four quarterbacks go in the first eight to ten picks or so. Then he's in conversation. But I think that people are kind of... Again, considering him probably a second round, maybe late first round quarterback, but that he has every ability to slide into those, you know, top thirty two picks or whatever, just because of the circumstances that we're all so very familiar with. Yeah, he definitely does. And you know, Ryan, I don't know if you've noticed this with Hinton Hooker draft buzz, but we podcasted press pass what last Wednesday, right? Yeah. Or Thursday, even. Last Thursday? Well, th- either day. Because in the last three to four days, the amount of articles being written of experts and everybody saying, Hinton Hooker to the Vikings makes so much sense. We got some listeners yeah. to the press pass because we were on that first. That's right. It's true. By the way. All three of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You too, Rick. We were on course. that. Rick leading the charge. Yeah. You're <laughs> very right. The amount, Daniel Jeremiah, ESPN go. analytics like system, yeah. Vikings, 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 Vikings. Well, I, I think one thing that makes a lot of sense with Hooker is just for him to go late in the first round mm-hmm. because he probably doesn't have the ceiling or the ready to playness that you would take him early. But I think at the same time, especially with his age, especially with the fact that he is probably unlikely to start anywhere as a rookie, you want to get him on that, you know, have that fifth year team option. You don't want to just have him on a contract for four years and then he doesn't play the first year, boom, it's three years. Yeah. Then you're kind of. You're limiting your window of winning with a quarterback on a rookie contract, which we know has become a very popular thing to try to do in the NFL. So uh, I would, you know, obviously the Vikings are one of those teams late in the first round uh, that would have a chance to, or would potentially draft a quarterback. And I'll be interested to see if maybe a team that passes on a quarterback early, maybe at Indianapolis or maybe even, you know, even the Titans tries to trade back into the very end of the first round and and get him at that spot would be something I'll be curious to see. Ryan, you did a great uh, compilation of just some of the projected draft landing spots for Tennessee's, what is this, I guess, seven players that are uh, projected to be to uh, at least enter their names, hopeful NFL draft participants coming up. Pennant Hooker, Cedric Tillman, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Byron Young, Darnell Wright, Jerome Carvin, and Jeremy Banks. Here's just a little bit of an update on some of those guys um, when it comes to overall projections. Hinton Hooker, you have number 23, number 55, and number 81. Jalen Hyatt, number 33, 41, and 44. Darnell Wright, probably the most high average out of all the Tennessee players, 14, 23, 19, 70, and 50, 17, and 50. And then some of the other guys as well. Cedric Tillman kind of right there in the 70s overall, 76 and 79. You have Byron Young anywhere from 61 to 100 to 107. And then Jerome Carvin and Jeremy Banks. It, it seemed like maybe one of the publications snuck them in, yeah. a, uh, snuck them in a very late-round pick. But to me, those guys really up in the air. It's those other five, I think, that are really vying for a spot. I think four of them are going to be locks. I think Byron Young is probably going to be a lock as well. So it is going to be an exciting draft for for Tennessee fans. I think that the goal, obviously, that Tennessee wants to happen is three first-rounders. We'll see if that happens. But it does seem like one is a fair lock, two is potential, potentially could happen, and three would be a little bit of a stretch, but also is still in the realm of possibilities as well. At least that's kind of the way that I've seen it play. Yeah, I would agree with that. Darnell Wright, to me, seems like a lock to go in the first round, and I think right. Hooker and Hyatt both could. You know, I would probably – and I don't even know which one I would bet which way, but you know, I'd probably <laughs> guess that one of them goes first round, the other one doesn't. But certainly they're both capable of going in the first round. If you'd asked me in January, I'd have said Hyatt first, Hendon not. But now I've changed my tune. I would say – I kind of have too. I, I have a better feeling of Hendon going in the first round. I actually think – I would bet on Hendon going in the first round. 
and then Hyatt in the second. So yeah. I'm pretty confident both of those yeah, I don't, takes. Yeah, I don't hate that. Yeah. Not at all. And then, I mean, I think even Tillman and Byron Young are, are both going to be somewhat early on day two, you know. Yeah, and they, of all the guys that have a chance to be steals, those two. And it could definitely be Tillman if he falls. Yeah, I think Tillman is probably the most fascinating of the Tennessee guys, and I think potentially could really be a steal. And to me, for Young, he just has a a wide gap between his floor and his ceiling. So yeah. it's yeah. it's just it's yeah. just he could be a steal. You know, he that's why he's going to get a really go. good scenario. Yes, and needs to mesh right. Yeah. So his him is he is less of. You know, I feel like we kind of have a general idea of where he'll go, or at least the general rounds, but. Just because he, you know, if he pans out, he could easily be a guy that you look back in years and go, why would, why didn't he go in the first round? But you yeah. know, I also wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that doesn't do a ton where in the did, NFL either. Where did Darrell Taylor get drafted? Was that a third rounder? Second round, I second believe, round? early second round of Seattle. I do feel like Byron Young could yeah. have a similar trajectory as a as a Darrell Taylor, but I don't know. Maybe that's just because they're both Tennessee guys. Anyways. That is uh, the 2023 NFL Draft. That's going to be coming up on Thursday, what is this month? April 27th. That's when it's going to begin and then run through, um, I guess it's going to run through that Saturday. Saturday, yeah. yeah. So, and Daryl Taylor was picked, for, round two, pick 48 in the 2020 All right, NFL so draft. about halfway through. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee, how many players do you think get drafted? Um, I'd probably say six. Six? I'll split in the middle on Carvin and Banks. I'll say five. Oh wow! Okay, what do you think? I don't. I don't necessarily know. I like Carvin to get drafted. I think that's. I would think he's on that. I would think he would, but. I think. What about Prince of Fan? You don't think he gets drafted? Not really. He's the one other guy. If I'm being I honest, I don't think Jeremy Banks chance. gets drafted. Yeah, I would. I don't either. I might say Fan's more likely than Banks. Me but too. I don't think either are. Again, I didn't think Theo Jackson was getting yeah. drafted last year. So. There will be a lot. Of, there's a lot. Of, I mean, once you get to like. Those yeah. last couple rounds, it's, it's just kind of a, like it's kind of a crapshoot. Exactly. So it's hard to, very hard for anybody to project. I think Carvin's uh, versatility, though, yeah, may six round six or seven. I think he'll be there. Yeah, Ryan, you will be in Fayetteville this weekend, but otherwise, we still have fireworks that are going to be happening right here in Knoxville. This Saturday is going to be Tennessee's orange and white spring game. Now, it is the second spring game in the last four years. Yes, Jack, you're that correct. Was a dog, a dog just <laughs> yeah. ran by our studio door. I don't, I don't. No, we've never seen a dog here. Welcome before. to the jungle. <laughs> I'm not a big dog guy either, so I'm not what? like come on, not jumping up or anything. Anyways, orange and white game, spring game coming up this Saturday. Second time in the last four years. 2020, it was canceled just about a month after lockdowns occurred, and then last year we know that it was played behind closed doors on the in, or excuse me, on the practice field because of the ongoing construction and renovations to Neyland Stadium. Coming up this Saturday, 2:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the entry gates, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 20, 21, 22, and 23. It'll be a $5 entry free with the proceeds heading to Tennessee's My All campaign. The Vol Village Music Festival will be at Saturday uh, from noon to 2 p.m. in Lot 9. you got music by Matt Stilwell and Emily Ann Roberts. You can go check out Racket Diamond Center for all other information regarding the parking lots, entry gates, entry fee, times, and all that kind of stuff. We have you all covered. But, guys, besides all of that, there's going to be a scrimmage that's going to be played, and it's going to be Tennessee's essentially third scrimmage of the spring camp slate so far. And I think it's interesting when you when you go back to the first two. Coming out of the first scrimmage, Josh Heupel was very complimentary of the defense. He started his press conference afterwards by complimenting just the defense's ability to fly around the field in that first practice. He was really happy with what he saw. 
coming in coming out of the second scrimmage just last week, Heupel was very complimentary of the running backs. That's kind of the first position group that he pointed to that, again, he was impressed with coming out of it. I'm excited to see what happens coming up this Saturday. I think Tennessee has a lot of both new and returning pieces that are going to be important to watch on the field. But more importantly, it's going to be it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see just kind of how they mix together. And boy, we are far away from the from the season actually started, right? We're right. a good couple months. This is just the end of the spring. But of course, there are going to be plenty of takeaways to come from Saturday uh, that are going to be fun to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, the first real scrimmage, of course, we'll get to watch as media. So I'm excited to see a lot of things. And just kind of taking everything the coaches have said up to this point and applying it with my own eyes to watch this game. Um, I'm probably the most excited to watch the running backs of any group. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's just kind of that deal spring game. Yeah, I, to me, it it's probably the offensive tackle edge rusher battle, particularly edge rusher, rusher is what I want to see. I think those are two spots that are probably two of the bigger question marks on this Tennessee team, especially offensive tackle. Um in, at least in terms of having questions for them for the season. And I think at edge rusher, it's more who are those guys going to be. You know it's going to be Roman Harrison. You think uh, Joshua Josephs. But who else can step up and kind of be the three, four uh, pass rusher? So I, I want to see that. And particularly I want to see, you know, best versus best. That's always the thing with spring game. You get yeah. so much of it that's not that. Uh, that it's third string versus first string or second team versus fourth string or uh, whatever. So when it's the start of the start of the spring game, when those two groups are going are at full strength, what do those guys look like? Who stands out? Who's getting the first reps? You know, on, along the offensive line or really just uh, at the tackle spot, the the left tackle spot, really in particular. Yeah. So uh, those are two things, and I, I think there's obviously a lot of obvious stuff with the newcomers, with the quarterbacks, Nico. with ne- yeah, Nico, which I is mean, all the fans, one and the same. Yeah, but eighty percent of the fans when they come or ninety percent, they'll be like, yeah, that's Nico's probably number, number one thing one. you're looking for. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, tons of stuff to watch for. Obviously, I won't be there to watch it, but uh, we'll likely catch some of it, you know, on the SEC Network Plus stream, and we'll be interested to see all the stops as well. Yeah, you know, you talk about it being best on best, and that's something that the Tennessee coaching staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they talk a lot about about how, you know, hey, when when the defense is out there practicing on the field, they're going up against one of last year's best offenses in the country, and this is still obviously a, a an extremely hyperly talented offense as well. So. The defense gets plenty of opportunities to go against what will be great players in college football this season, so that's always going to be good, Ryan. I, I, I totally agree. Just being able to see what Tennessee's new look secondary, and I know that the starters are not necessarily new look, but just as you continue going on in the game, seeing some of Tennessee's depth, that's going to be interesting to see how that is handled across the board. Now, funny enough, you can look at my notes right here. You guys kind of combined the first thing that I was looking for was the running backs and the offensive line. I I do think that's a good uh, a good thing to watch for for exactly what you guys are talking about. Starting with uh, starting with Ryan, yeah, man. When you look at the offensive line, there's some of the most important pieces that are vacant that are to be filled to be announced later on in a couple months are right there on that offensive line. And also, I think we've we've really figured out in hindsight over the last couple months, just how important that protection was for Tennessee's offensive success last year, especially with a guy like Darnell Wright. So not only interested to see that, but then I also feel like we believe Tennessee's running back room is going to be one of the strengths for this team, barring injury. We don't know how that's going to affect things later on, but I do feel like that's going to be one of those strengths. To me, Tennessee's got to figure out a way to put those two pieces together, the offensive line and the running back room, and that could really be a dynamic part of Tennessee's offense. So I'm excited to see what that looks like just here in the spring early on as we're still a couple months out from the season coming up. 
Yeah, certainly. I think that you look at a running game, that needs to be a strength for Tennessee mm-hmm. this year. You know, Joe Milton, I think, can make a lot of big plays with his arm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, you know, I think there's questions about how much can he sustain drives by throwing the ball underneath because – it, obviously, Clemson game is the one game he's played where he's played really well, and Tennessee really didn't particularly do that in that game. It was a lot of big plays, uh, and they yeah. capitalized when they had big plays. They scored touchdowns, what's going to be important. So I think they're going to need uh, more of a run game. And I think, you know, even some of it on Saturday, you know, we won't see Jabari Small, who's been injured all spring. Jalen Wright, you know, I would say is probably doubtful, just given he seems to be more limited to back half. So you're going to get a good look at Dylan Sampson. You're going to get a good look at the two freshmen. And then the one thing that Tennessee did so well last year, but I don't think you can take for granted, if you go back to this time of year last year or just any time before the season last year, one of the keys that we were talking about is how Tennessee has to be better on short yard situations and goal line situations. And Tennessee was fantastic by basically just running the ball last year. Obviously, yeah. you had to respect Hinton Hooker's legs. You had to respect the passing game because Tennessee could take the top off the defense at any time. But they were so good in those short yard situations, whether that was goal line, whether that was third and short, of being able to pick it up on the ground. Can they do that again? You would think so with most of the running backs back and uh, the bulk of the offensive line, including two of the three guys in the interior. But, you know, that's not a given. You can't take that for granted. You know, expanding on that right there just real quick because that, that sparked a thought in my head. Tennessee, looking back at it last year, Tennessee was the third-ranked red zone offense team in the country last year, just behind Georgia and Ohio State. I, I absolutely agree. I think that one early thing that you're looking for with Joe Milton's you know, progress here as the starting quarterback for Tennessee is that you know Tennessee's going to really have scoring opportunities based on the long game. But what happens when they get into that red zone? We know that Tennessee was successful last year for a lot of reasons because of Hooker's decision-making. Now, a lot of that was from the run game. You had a guy like Jabari Small who could – power it in a couple yards, but a lot of those were also kind of decision plays, read option plays from Hinton Hooker. You had some nice short passes though. So how is Tennessee going to uh, how is Tennessee going to be effective in that red zone early on in here to the spring? And then what other kind of wrinkles are they going to throw out throughout the season as they roll on in a couple months? That's certainly something I think is going to be interesting to watch for, but Tennessee needs to be good in the red zone once again. Again, Ryan, I think you're right. The the long passes and the explosive plays I still think are going to be there, but how effective can they be when it comes to that final 20 yards, when it comes to that final 10 yards into the end zone where you have to be so unbelievably precise. Tennessee was really good at it last year with Hinton Hooker. How are they going to be this year to be determined? And to bring this full circle, a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. There so. you go. Yep, definitely. There yeah. you go. Um, wide receivers, I, I think you got some fun wide receivers to watch out there on Saturday. We know that Brew McCoy is going to be, or I, we're imagining he he's playing. probably not going to be uh, playing. Uh, as he's been limited with a little bit of an injury here during the spring. So you got other pieces that, that some of the coaches have been raving about. I am certainly eager to see players like a Caleb Webb, like a Chaz Nimrod, Nimrod like a freshman, that. like a, uh, a Nathan Leacock. So there's certainly young talent, I think, from the Tennessee wide receiver room that we didn't get to see last year, especially because of the veteran talent that was in that room between Jalen and Brew and Ramel and, and Cedric and whoever else was there. But Tennessee does have some young, good pieces on the wide receiver room we just haven't seen much of them so mm-hmm. how are they going to play that's something i'll be watching and it really feels like dante thornton hasn't been full go in practice uh, yeah, yeah. since Another the beginning name. of like maybe since the very first one that we watched so uh, i'm hoping that we see a lot of dante thornton on saturday because i mean he could bring a lot to this team he and could. I, I just want to see him flash his potential he's probably the most intriguing yeah. playmaker at skill positions i would say or just see how he's picking yes. up this offense too. yeah that's the big thing obviously because you know the talents there you know all the the physical attributes are there, but has he picked up the offense? Yeah, you know, we know that he has, 
I think he, he was dealing with a little bit of a hamstring thing at, at some points this spring practice, and not that it's completely kept him limited or, or out or anything. I mean, even just going back to, what was that, yesterday when we saw yeah, practice? Yeah, he's been in uniform every time. Yeah, so, he hasn't. Yeah, right. so I, I think maybe there's been some some drills that we haven't seen that maybe he's been left out of. But, man, we posted on, on YouTube. I'll, I'll give a shout-out to our good friend Noah Taylor for posting it on Twitter. You, you saw Joe Milton. or uh, Who was the quarterback? Yeah. Okay, it was Milton. Pretty Milton, sure. Yeah. Somebody connected with with uh, Dante Thornton on a deep pass, and I think it was Joe, like you're saying. And it was a really nice play uh, all around, even if it was just a route on air. So I think you're going to be seeing a lot of that. And like Ryan said, certainly one of the uh, one of the more dynamic players that that you expect on this Tennessee offense, and just how the integration happens is going to be a big uh, big topic of conversation to figure out. Yeah, you mentioned Chaz Nimron. He's gotten a lot a lot of opportunities in spring, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he'll do and. Um, you know, just other pass catchers, Ethan Davis, I don't know what to expect from him Saturday. He's been in a non-contact jersey this whole spring. I doubt I, – I, I don't really know because it feels like he's not that hurt still just based off what the coaches are saying and how much he's doing in practice, even in a non-contact. So I'm curious to see if he's going to play Saturday, how much he's going to play if he does, that kind of thing. And then – just a little tongue-in-cheek here, but pencil and Jack Jancic for over 100 yards and two tutties yeah. on spring game. <laughs> He's the scrimmage king. It's yeah. easy, easy bet to make. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, any other thoughts on uh, the offensive side of the ball before uh, I got a I got a defensive thought? Defensive thought? Yes. I'm, I think I'm yeah. done. Yeah, let it well, rip. I, I think that if Tennessee is improved on defense this year, which you would expect them to be to some extent. I think if Tennessee has improved on defense this year, you're talking about the names Keenan Peely and Aaron Beasley quite a bit. I think that those two guys are going to be important to Tennessee's success. Now, are there guys who are going to be more important to Tennessee's success on that side of the ball? Nah, maybe in the secondary. I can see that being a, you know, we know how, how much and, and how often teams need to throw the ball against Tennessee either to get back into the game or to just keep pace with Tennessee's offense. But I really think that those two guys in the middle of the field are going to be extremely important. And again, I think that if Tennessee's defense has improved this year, those are going to be two guys you're looking at and saying, hey, they have been rock solid in the middle of the field. Number one, just going back to the Orange Bowl and then a couple games before that, Aaron Beasley really had a, a late season emergence last year mm -hmm. for this team. And then in the Orange Bowl, it really all came together. That guy was flying all over the place. He was sacking Cade Klubnick, the quarterback, left and right. He really performed well. I think he gave you a lot of confidence in being Tennessee's starting middle linebacker, the leader of the defense for this year coming up. Then you had a guy in like Keenan Peely who, going back to the start of spring camp, well, I remember talking to uh, some people in the Tennessee department, them just saying, hey, this guy is is next level. I mean, not just is he old, he's mature, he's got his, you know, he, he's got his stuff together, he, he's, he's even a family man, yeah. he's a married kid on the, on the Tennessee football team. This guy just has his act together, and he is going to be good for them coming up going forward. So I do think that uh, those are going to be two names you're talking about. Yeah, I think those are going to be two names we're talking about either way, though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they necessarily okay. Like those two guys are going to start, and they're going to, or at least they're going to play a ton, no matter what. Aaron yeah, Beasley's going to start for oh, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So, like, I think you're right. Those are going to be key names, but I don't look at them necessarily as huge swing guys. I guess X factors for okay. the Tennessee defense. I mean, I I think Pilly could be like, I, it wasn't a given. He was just going to be a stud for Tennessee. Like, oh no, if not Tennessee at all. has a great linebacker i mean yeah i mean if he's a, if he's a stud you're right i just don't see him as having that high of a ceiling and if Beasley can continue his late season success like rick yeah. said which i think that's was expected that's expected it's not necessarily but expected I, that pilly's gonna be a stud but yeah. I, I, I don't expect pilly to be i just expect pilly to be solid and a guy that plays a lot yeah 
I, I do expect him to be good, but I, I, I do see what you're saying in all that conversation doesn't even really kind of go into the to the idea of is he enough to swing this Tennessee defense into who they need to be in, and the, the the real jump and improvement they need to be to be a, a solid state a solidly sustainable defense. I think that those kind of swing players are more in your secondary, right? Because yeah. yes, that's and a few edge that, rusher and, yeah, and, yeah. and edge rusher as well. Which is another thing I wrote down that I'm going to be looking for this Saturday. Who who's going to be affecting the quarterback? But we again we started that conversation with that route. So I I, I completely agree, and I see what you're saying with that's not maybe necessarily who's going to be the swing player to take this deep Tennessee defense to the next level. But I do think that if you're talking about this this defense being good at the end of the year, yeah. I think that you're saying, hey, the guys in the middle really held their own, and we'll see what they can do. But I, I do think that yeah, there's a lot of interesting pieces to look at. Yeah, really, the more I think about it, the more I actually kind of do agree with Beasley. Because I think Beasley has the ceiling of being like an all-SEC first-team guy. If he puts it all together, if he continues to play like he did at the end of the year, and yeah, that would completely swing Tennessee's yeah. defense. Peely, to me, it's just like his... The gap between his floor and his ceiling to me seems very small. I feel like we have he is what he is. a general idea of what he's going to be, yeah. which is a guy that's not great, not a playmaker, not an all-SEC guy, but a guy that's going to be in the right spot, that's going to be able to play well between the tackles and be a pretty good in the run game. There you go. Yeah, I, I, think, that is, uh, I think that is certainly true nonetheless. Let me, let me look at my notes. I know, again, Saturday afternoon, 2.30 p.m., so we pretty much hit everything that I talked about. You know, defensive back death. We talked about the quarterbacks. The majority. <laughs> what he said. Defensive backs death. <laughs> oh, not death. <laughs> oh, I... and you also oh. said uh, Peely was a married kid. Was married. <laughs> something weird about him being married. It sounded like you were saying he was married to a, a kid. He had a oh. married kid. Or had, oh no. Yeah, yeah, he no. had a married oh, no. kid. Yeah. Get I'll it be honest, together, I, right? I did see you guys looking at each other, and I said, "I know I said <laughs> so, something. I know I said we, something we weird." We, could, we, could, we let it pass no once. No clue twice. what it was. No. Huh? Huh? Well, I knew exactly what you were trying to say. He's not a married kid, yeah, nor yeah. does he have a married kid. <laughs> but he's married, and he has a kid. No, I don't. I don't know. Does he not if he even has have a kid? kid. No, I don't okay. think he has a kid. Actually, he's just he's just married. He's just married. I, he's a kid on the Tennessee football team because he's younger than me, slightly. I think <laughs> very slightly. Therefore, okay. he's a kid on the team. Okay. I don't know if he has a kid, though. Yeah. I think he may be. Are, are you 24 or 23? I'm 24. I think he's the same age as you. Okay. There we go. can't believe you're four years older than me. That's insane. That is kind of three insane. Three and a half, or, I should yeah. say. Probably closer to three, honestly, because I just turned 24. True. But, yeah, we're like uh, four months off. Yeah. So. Yeah, and when, while we're just on the topic of X-Factors on the defense, okay, I think maybe Danico, Josh Joseph, I already talked about a little bit, to me would probably be the one guy on the defense line, and I think it's Danico Slaughter in the defensive back room, just because we saw him put it together for some games last year, and he has the athletic ability, I think. Yeah, that Kentucky game was nasty. Yeah. And, you know, like a lot of guys in Tennessee's defensive back room, you know, because they do so much cross-training. It just felt like Slaughter hadn't really found a home anywhere. Yeah. And he kind of gets thrust with a bunch of injuries last year to play a lot of corner. Now it, he's there. He's working there full-time. To me, he's a guy that has the talent to potentially take the next step. That doesn't mean he will, but there's a few factors that I think make it a possibility, and I think he's an a- athletic enough to be, you know, a real solid corner that, that up- upgrades what Tennessee's had there the last two years. Yeah. All right, that is going to be the Tennessee spring game.
preview coming up on, well, the game's going to be coming up on Saturday afternoon, 2.30 p.m., Neyland Stadium. Jack and I will be there. Ryan will be locking things down with Tennessee baseball from Fayetteville, Arkansas. It is going to be a busy, jam-packed weekend, but you better believe that Rocky Top Insider will have you locked and loaded on all things Tennessee athletics, whether it's on the diamond or on the football field, we will have you covered on it all. So make sure you are checking out Rocky Top Insider on each and every social media platform coming up this weekend. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and close the podcast out. It's been a great show already today. But let's go ahead and close it out with just a little bit of Tennessee football recruiting conversation. We've been talking in the, la- in the last week or so about some of the pieces that Tennessee is adding to the 2024 class. Well, in the last week, they've added two big pieces, and I say that literally, to the class. And then they've also added one to the 2025 as well. So for starting first and foremost, the 2024 players, Tennessee got a pair of offensive linemen, six foot five Gage Ginther from uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and then six foot six offensive tackle Jesse Perry from Mur- uh, Middle Tennessee Christian School over in Murfreesboro. So that is two again big pieces that Tennessee has added to the offensive line. Yeah, big uh, is is the right word there. And uh, Ginther, you know, both of them are three stars. There's not a ton, you know, separating them in the rankings. I think Ginther is probably a more impressive get because you know there were a lot of. Bigger name schools after him, or at least a lot of bigger name schools he was considering. Yeah, and you just see that he's in the state of Colorado, and you know yeah. all the things that Deion Sanders is doing over there. And yeah, you know Colorado is one of the teams that I know was going after him hard. So he's a, you know to me that seems like a really good get, and a guy I wouldn't be surprised to see you know fly up the rankings a little bit. And then Jesse Perry from uh, Middle Tennessee Christian, you know I think is a little bit more of a pro- project. Just six six, but just two hundred seventy five pounds right now. So you know he'll he'll have to put on a lot of weight before he's factoring uh, in in uh, an SEC program but you know that's kind of the nature of a lot of these guys in, in recruiting offensive linemen as a whole and especially offensive tackles and he certainly has an offensive tackle frame and uh, he's a guy that you know in a few years and after having a few years in a college weight room in Tennessee's program could certainly make an impact and that's already four in-state commits yeah for Tennessee they've recruited what, in-state heavily and a seven yeah yeah four of eight four of eight uh-huh and you know there's a lot of guys that they're Boo Carter Edwin Spillman yep. Um, wow, you know, guys left. The other two other kids at Baylor, Amari Jefferson and, and Max LeBlanc, I think is how you pronounce his name. So there's a lot of there's you know guys they're in the thick of Chattanooga talent, like there's a lot South of, Tennessee uh, talent out yeah. there right now. And yeah, then, a lot of a lot of Chattanooga guys in Cleveland too. Uh, I'm glad that includes Carson Gentle, who I believe is on Tennessee's commit list, but also from Chattanooga. And Mar- yeah, Marcus Gorey is That's from right. is from Bradley Central in Cleveland, so just outside of Chattanooga, which I think is actually where Boo Carter is going to go to high school this next year. So that's a uh, Huh. Could be a helpful, you know, as Tennessee tries to, to land Carter. Not that it's a determining factor or anything, but certainly yeah. won't hurt to have uh, one of his teammates committed to the Vols as well. Well, to put into perspective how heavily they've recruited in state, like we said, four of eight are in state. In the 2023 class, four of 19 were. So they already have the same they've amount of in state commits. Yeah. With this class, 24 class, than it was in the 23 with. 11 less recruits total. So, yeah, and then you combine with what you guys are saying, Tennessee's got a lot of targets that are yep. that are still in-state players that are really talented as well. So I, I think, yeah, as you see Tennessee continue to get a foothold on college football, you see Josh Heupel continue to have success recruiting in the bound, in the borders excuse me, of the Volunteer State, not just working with the local 
schools and coaches and programs like that and building those kind of relationships because of how important they are. But we also know that a lot of former Tennessee players are still in the state. Josh Heupel has absolutely made an emphasis on building and sustaining relationships with former Tennessee players who are still in the state of Tennessee to, again, just kind of get that momentum and keep that momentum going. I think about a guy like Robert Ayers Jr., who, who yep. is at Tennessee right now, but the last two years he's been at both Knox Catholic and Oak Ridge High School. So, man, there's a lot of guys like that who are around the state who Tennessee is continuing to talk with, continuing to try to build momentum with as Tennessee tries to land as much good talent as they can from the state of Tennessee. Now, if you go south a little bit, you can find a player by the name of Char- uh, Shamar Arnaud. Uh, he is a six foot one, 170-pounder from Milton High School in Alpharetta, Georgia. He is Tennessee's first, Tennessee's debut player in the 2025 uh, class commit list. Again, this is a very talented defensive back who... Uh, very early in the process right now. So e- even if you look across some of the platforms, he doesn't even have a recruiting ranking yet. But this is a very talented kid who, uh, I say kid again with a, uh, with a little bit of a laugh behind it as well. But check this out, right? This is kind of one of the interesting things that, that I gravitated towards when, when thinking about what he can bring to the table for Tennessee. And it goes back to something that Tennessee defensive back coach Willie Martinez talked about last Wednesday. Shamar Arnaud, Arnaud is six foot one, 170 pounds. If you look at Tennessee's current roster right now, 24 out of the 27 current players listed as defensive back on the roster stands at six foot or taller. Shamar No definitely factors into that. He's six foot six foot one himself. I think you can see that not only is Tennessee trying to has Tennessee been building back their secondary, but they've certainly wanted to add size and height and length to it. I think that's something really important for them. Here's what Willie Martinez said about that last week. We love length. When you're trying to go against these wide receivers that are tall and have great size, you want length. It's not just the height factor. You've got to have long arms. You've got to have the speed. You've got to have all the other skill sets that you need. But there is no doubt that we love to see those guys in terms of the the taller defensive back. So Shamar Arnault is definitely one player that, that fits into that category that Tennessee is looking for. And it's a great player to, in my opinion, start out that 2025 class. So between all three of those guys and they all came within 48 hours of each other, yeah, if I remember bam, bam, correctly. Bam. So they Two were all one day. very, very quick and uh, three big pieces for Tennessee football. Yeah, no doubt. Three uh, three big commits. You get the 2025. Maybe not, maybe not like big They're time, not earth-shattering by any stretch of the But they are three right. good commits, three momentum-continuing commits for early on, kind of in, in early April, where there's not a ton happening, right? But Tennessee's still able to stay in the newswire because of those types of things. Yeah, and Ginther was a guy that, you know, we'd seen his name for a while. Tennessee was had been heavily pursuing him. So yeah. while the star ranking isn't super high, it's obviously a guy Tennessee had targeted early on. And then with Arnaud, it's just a nice start to get your 2025 class going. Especially since it's a DB and checks all the boxes as written. Yeah, yeah exactly. By the way, it was a very good point. Um, speaking of Ginther, would you like to talk about my guy Gunther? He is the current uh, WWE Intercontinental Champion. Uh, he just defended at WrestleMania a couple nights is ago. Is his name just Gunther? It's just Gunther. Yeah. Interesting. So he's fairly new. All caps. Wow. No, it only is lowercase when your name is Gunther. Although I'm, pro- I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Gunther. Oh, okay. Is he American? No. Yeah. I think he's Austrian, maybe. Oh. I don't know. He is. Oh, you've got it? Yeah. There you go, Austrian, okay. There it doesn't show up as being in all caps on the interwebs, for what it's worth. Well, that's Wikipedia. You can't you can't trust Wikipedia. There we go. Okay. SB Nation and TJR Wrestling. <laughs> wrestling News doesn't have a oh, uppercase. Oh, what a so. crime. 
What a crime. WWE's own website doesn't even have them upper, uppercase. Maybe you're wrong, oh, no, right? That that is a that's, that's a, that's a red flag. My, that is that's a big red flag. That's a <laughs> that's a hit to my credibility right there. That was the one place that I felt like was going to back me up if if all the rest failed as well. Guys, any other kind of wrap up football takes or or anything uh, left to get off the chest? No, I no, think we we fit everything. Good. Rick, we'll give you... a shout out to uh, Jordan Horston for uh, yeah, being yeah. drafted by the Seattle Storm. Storm. There we go. Pick no, is it at three straight years? Did it's I, been ninth overall. Yeah. Rania Davis, um, Ray Burrell, Jordan Horston, all top ten selections, all number nine overall. Really? Three straight years. All right. So Kelly Harper, Key, number nine next bound year. Bound to turn out a yeah, – Rakia Jackson. No, it's going to be Rakia Jackson. Okay, there you yeah. go. But yeah. tough news for Lady Vols today is Justine Passot or Passat. Passat, I think, maybe. I said Passot originally when she committed, but they announced it Passat in TBA now that I think about it. But anyway, she has entered the transfer portal. She didn't play too much for people to know, right? No, she, but she was a big recruit. Like, yeah, McDonald's All-American. All yeah, yeah. five-star. But, yeah, she's entered the transfer portal, as Ryan and I were discussing off-air earlier, probably because Rakia Jackson is coming back, kind of limits her upside there in year two. But this is bad for Tennessee, as now they have zero scholarship players on the roster from the class of 2023 or the class of 2022. They didn't have any recruits in the 23 class, so it's not like they lost anybody. They just didn't have anybody. So, yeah, not 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 great, but... With Rakia and Tamari there, and Jillian Hollingshay going to take a leap, it, they'll be okay, but long-term, it's kind of yeah. troublesome. Yeah. Going to have to be portaling a lot. Yeah. She's the women's college basketball Lane Kiffin. Yeah, there you go. Quick. Or uh, Eric Musselman. Yeah. <laughs> the importer. The importer. Speaking of, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up just like we did last week. Of course, go ahead and check out the RTI Special Edition Baseball Podcast, which was released on the RTI Network this morning on Wednesday morning. So we have a double day when it comes to episodes for you here today. Ryan and Jack talk all things coming up for Tennessee baseball series coming out of the Florida series into the Arkansas series. Ryan, real quick, how many games does Tennessee take on the road against Arkansas this weekend? One. One. Yep. Okay. Jack? I didn't make a prediction in the podcast yesterday, so here's my chance. I'll say they take two. There we go. Some confidence from Jack. Okay. I also said they'd take two against Florida, and that didn't happen, so do not <laughs> trust me. Are, are, is your one on, on Sunday? Is it the final game of the series? I think I said they'd win on Friday. But yeah. If they win another game three, that's going to be like just but that's just so – I don't know. It just it keeps happening and happening and happening, and that's going to be a storyline in of itself for sure. It's going to be a lot going on this week, and make sure you are locked into Rocky Top Insider for all of it. Again, Ryan will be in Fayetteville. He will be covering the baseball series. Ryan, or Jack and I will be holding things down right here in Knoxville for the Tennessee Orange and White game coming up on Saturday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. We will see you inside of Neyland Stadium for what should hopefully be a beautiful day of Tennessee football action. As always, remember to follow Rocky Top Insider on all different social media platforms. That would be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We are there wherever you are. Hey, we'll let you know that we are there as well. If you want to follow Ryan Shumpert, you can do that at rshump00 on Twitter. If you want to follow my man Jack Foster, you can do that at Jack Foster Media on Twitter. And if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. But again, just make sure you're checking out www.rockytompensetter.com each and every day for the best Tennessee news notes and coverage as we continue getting you through this spring as we make it to summer and then we get started again all once over again during the fall with football coming up shortly. Guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Good show all around. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. I wanted to ask you real quick, though, Rick, earlier. Do you think you could – how confident are you in your wrestling abilities in the ring? 
in the ring? Mm-hmm. Like if me? If I told you you were going to be in a WWE me? match, how confident would you be? I weigh 150 pounds soaking wet. I have to run around laps in the shower just but to get wet. I think I would have no chance at all. What about the fundamentals? You got to know. Well, I do know the fundamentals. How to wrestle, right? I could throw a, I could throw a, a, a sweet chin music. There I you could go. throw a, I could What would be your finisher? I it can't be one where I lift my opponent. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So What if your opponent was me? It's going to be a, a, a it, I can I can I can do a jump off the top. Okay. That'll be it. I can do a jump. I'm a I could be a high, high flyer. flyer. Yeah. I'm a, I could be a luchador. <laughs> Pretty easily. Love it. Rick, you keep looking at me. I'm not going to encourage this nonsense I'm waiting for on you our to podcast. So. I'm waiting for you to encourage it. Would you win if we had a triple threat? Would you win? Yes. See, there we go. There's the confidence. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I would use so many underhanded tactics. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Gentlemen, let's go ahead and get out of here. Let's wrap this thing up here on a Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to the RTI Press Pass podcast. Make sure to also check out RTI Pancakes and Bacon. That is another wonderful podcast on the RTI network from VFL Kyler Kerbison and Reed Bacon. That is going out just about once a week or so, but make sure you're checking them out as well. Until then, hey, thanks so much for listening to a little bit of a rambling ending of an episode here with Jack Foster, Ryan Shumpert. My name is Rick Butler. You've been listening to Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. We'll see you back for the next one.